Welcome to Your Next Mission podcast with the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army and co-founder of the American Freedom Foundation, Jack L. Tilley. Proudly presented by Cavalry Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. Good day out there, veterans and families, and welcome to season two of Your Next Mission, a program initiative of the American Freedom Foundation. I'm Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major, and your host today. Today marks a very special day for a couple of reasons. It's our first episode in season two, and, and we are focusing on creating a vodcast or a podcast with video this year. Second, and most important, it is Martin Luther King's birthday. This inaugural episode of Your Next Mission in Season 2 is dedicated to the memory of Martin Luther King. Before we begin, if you're watching this on YouTube, please like us and click on the subscribe button below. I want to thank our presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans for making Your Next Mission happen. They love our veterans and families, and we certainly love them. As I said, this episode of Your Next Mission is focusing on the memory of Martin Luther King and all he meant to this great country. And I'm so excited to introduce Colonel Wayne Wagner, U.S. Army retired and assistant professor of the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. Welcome, sir. So good to have you on the show. Thank you very much for the invitation. It's my pleasure, sir. Okay, thank you very much. And thank you very much for joining us today to, to celebrate Martin Luther King's birthday and his legacy. Sir, uh, I know the audience is eager to hear about all that you have to say, but before you do that, uh, can you tell us a little bit about yourself? Sure, no problem. I was raised by a soldier. My dad served uh, 22 years, um, served in uh, Korea, in Vietnam, and we lived all over the world. Um, I experienced some, we experienced some poverty while, while growing up, but uh, my parents were able to get us off to college and get a good education. I served in the army for about 30 years as a military police officer. Spent 12 of those 30 years in Washington, D.C. Uh, on the army staff and the OSD staff. And my background is mainly law enforcement and, and, and personnel. Uh, I've been a teacher three times. I love teaching and I love social media and, and connecting with people. So this is a great opportunity and I really appreciate you providing the invitation, Sergeant Major. Well, I appreciate you. I started to say, you say 30 years, I say 36. So I, anybody less than 36, I always say you're a quitter, but uh, that's okay. You spent a long time there. Hey, sir, as a, as a child of the 60s, how did Dr. Martin Luther King influence your life? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. Um, I was born in 1956. So during the 1960s and the civil rights movement, I was a child or, or preteen. He gave me hope. Dr. Martin Luther King gave me hope. He gave me hope that I would have a better future than my father and my grandfather and that I would be treated like a man because he was willing to stand up to society and, and to speak for people who were, who were voiceless. Um, as I reflect on Dr. Martin Luther King, 
the best takeaway for me as a child, I knew that he was willing to die and to sacrifice himself to do what he thought was best or better for America. So as a child of the 60s, watching the civil rights movement, uh, as a 65-year-old man, Dr. Martin Luther King has influenced everything I've done and everything I've become because he gave me hope that my future would be better. Yeah. So where, where you said your father was uh, military. Where did you grow? You grew up in military installations. Were you ever stationed somewhere in a, and stayed there for a long time, I guess? Yeah, we spent most of our time at Fort Ord, California. Uh, Dad was stationed there twice, 12 years. He had six children. Five of the six were born at Fort Ord. Redstone Arsenal, Germany, Fort Benjamin Harrison. And we did a lot of traveling in a station wagon through the Southwest to get back to Texas for vacations and, and to go home. Can you describe an America without Dr. King's journey and influence? I think if we would not have had a Dr. Martin Luther King, America would have been slower to change. And here's what I mean by that. America was going to integrate and America was going to integrate on her time. I think Dr. Martin Luther King caused America to accelerate, to push forward and to look at freedom for black Americans, African Americans seriously because of his personality and the power of his, his persuasion. Um, so without a Dr. Martin Luther King, I think integration would have occurred maybe 15 to 20 years later in our America. Um, without Dr. Martin Luther King, we don't have that inspirational leader who all peoples could focus on. I believe that would, would have been a void. Maybe someone else would have stepped forward. I just don't know or think so because he was such a powerful powerful speaker. Um, the visuals from the protests, the dogs, the police, Dr. Martin Luther King instigated, initiated, contributed, caused all that to happen, which forced Americans to self-reflect on how she was treating some of her citizens. Yeah. So historically, a nation without a Dr. Martin Luther King, there would have been a civil rights movement, but in my mind, I don't think it would have been in the 1960s. I think it would have been in the 1980s, and I think America would have been slower to grow. But, but sir, I can't prove that. It's, it's just what I think. Yeah, I, I got a couple questions here for you because you made me think about somebody just talking. One is, who is... Who replaced Martin Luther King? Who is who is our Martin Luther King now? And the second question is, is uh, just answer that question first. I got one more for you. Yeah, there's, there's a reason I'm smiling. Yeah. Because when I sit on panels and as a guest speaker, I get that question. People will say, Mr. Wagner or, or Colonel Wagner Dwayne, who's the Martin Luther King today? Yeah. And here's my response. There is not one. Yeah. And I'm gonna go a step, I'm gonna go a step further. This is me speaking. 
In the 1960s, America needed a Dr. Martin Luther King as a visible symbol of the civil rights movement. And we needed that one person and his influence and his ability to speak to, to persuade people. It is my position that in 2021, we don't need one central figure in America to represent African-Americans. What we need are citizens in local communities to do what's right, regardless of race, regardless of ethnicity, and regardless of color. So we don't need a Dr. Martin Luther King replica in 2021. We just need for people to act locally to do what's best for their, their communities. Uh, that's a hard sell because as you watch the media, you'll see that certain leaders will be designated as an African-American leader or a black leader. And I understand that. But in 2021, I, I don't think we need that. In the 1960s, we had to have that to move, to move forward. And the piggyback to your, your question is this. We had a Martin Luther King. Yep. There was also a Malcolm X. Yeah. In my mind, both Martin Luther King, who took a softer persuade approach, and Malcolm X, who was more willing to take a hard stance, I think that America needed both of those figures in 1960 to move forward. Yeah, yeah, you know, I, you, I think you're right on target. I think you need a lot of uh, a lot of positive people that are that are ex, uh, explaining whatever the issues are in our country. And I, and I think I don't know if one person could do it now. I think we're just too large, and there's too many things that are going on. The other, thing, especially, yeah, go ahead, especially. Social media. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, I yeah, there, there are so many voices out there. Um, I just don't know how successful a, Martin, a Dr. Martin Luther King would have been in the 1960s with social media. Yeah, yeah. I, I, here, here's another thing, and, and, and please, I'm, just, I'm just, just thinking about stuff. I, I think we need more people that talk positive versus negative. Uh, I think if you want to influence people, I think we have a tendency now to look at the negative of everything. And I think, and you said it a minute ago, because our because our news media, we see more negative versus anything. But I need, we, I think we need more people to uh, to step up and talk about the positive things in life uh, that are really good. Because there's a lot of good things. I mean, we have we have a few problems. There's no question. But but we need to we need to stay together and talk about the good things in life. You know, I'm getting older and I want to enjoy my life. I don't want to argue or debate or anything else. I just want to live free and enjoy my life. Well, you opened the door for the thesis or the genesis of my article. I wrote an article for Military Review. Oh, that I'm, I'm going to talk about it in just a second. Now, I don't want you to go too fast. I'll stop wait for you to bring it up then. <laughs> okay. Wait, I got one more thing. Hey, I, what, the, what uh, going back, we both was in the military. How did the military influence you? Uh, I know that wasn't one of the things I was going to talk to you, but as you talked, I was thinking, yeah. did it influence you? Well, the, the military influenced me two ways. I watched my father, who started out as a sharecropper in the, in the late 1940s, yeah. and joined the Army for a job in, in, the 19, in 1950. My father joined the Army because he needed a job. My father did not join the Army because he loved America or loved the Army. But as my father served in the Army over 22 years, from 1949 to 1971, 
my father learned how to love America, warts and all. Yeah. So as a dependent growing up in the military, I had that experience watching, watching my father. And when I came into the army and, and in 1978, when I was commissioned, my intent was to serve for five years and then to transition to become a police officer in Dallas because I wanted to, uh, I wanted to get involved with law enforcement for a lot of different reasons. But my first five years were so positive within the army that it became 30 years. Yeah. Yeah. You know, I, 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 I'm going to tell you this story, but I was a troubled youth. I wasn't a good kid. I was a terrible kid. In fact, the last uh, two and a half years of my life, I lived in a laundry room. Uh, I had a bed just big enough, uh, you know, to fit in there and had three shelves. I put my clothes on in the, in the little vent that you could look at. And, uh, and I tell people all the time, the, alarm, the Army saved my life and it changed my life. The, the other thing about the Army is it made me grow up. And, and Because right. the Army is more of a melting pot. You know, they, nobody looks at color in the Army. We're all, we're all brothers and sisters, and we all fight and die together. That's the bottom line. And so, uh, yeah, I, I, I know the, uh, for a lot of people, I think this is probably a crazy thing to say, but I wish everybody had to serve in the military because I think if it's, they no, it's oh yeah, it's not a crazy thing to say. No, no. If if we had, if within this nation most people could serve, whether it's the army or the job corps, sure, or or forestry, and they had to eat and sleep with people who are not like them, yeah, the city boys, the rural boys, the east coasters, the west coasters those barriers tend to break down when you spend time with those people. Yeah. You, you know, I, again, this is such a great conversation. I, I got to tell you one story. I was a division sergeant major and, and I went into a dining facility in, uh, in uh, Freiburg, Germany. I don't know if you've ever been there, but I went to Freiburg, Germany and, and there was a, uh, a, uh, a black female that had her hair braided and uh, it, was, it was really too long. It was too bulky. And I said, uh, hey, look, uh, your hair is too long and uh, you need to, you know, trim it up. And she said, well, I'll take it out tomorrow. I said, what? She said, well, I'll take it out. And I said, well, tell me about your hair. And this is, uh, this is uh, maybe a crazy story, but I'll tell you anyway. So I said, uh, tell me about your hair. So we sit down and she explained to me about uh, she couldn't wash her hair every day because it was too brittle. And, and right. a lot of things I didn't know. And uh, right. And so at the end of the conversation, I said, hey, look, just tighten it up a little bit and get it off your collar. But I think the problem we have is, is we don't have people uh, most of the time that will sit down and talk to each other and find out what the differences are. And, and really, quite frankly, there's not that many differences, but, but we need to understand both sides. You know, uh, I, I'm uh, open to everything, but, but you got to educate me. In fact, one of the things I said one time when, uh, on, on Martin Luther King's birthday, you need guys like me. Uh, getting up and speaking. You need to educate guys like me about uh, the history of Martin Luther King. And I think that's really important for us to understand it. And again, I think in the Army, because of who we are, we're all a family, I, I think it really made me uh, a better person. There's no question about that. Hey, sir, in your mind, has the federal holiday been embraced by both Americans, or is it still too often viewed as a, a holiday for African Americans? Right. Good question. My personal view, as I think about the holiday, is no, it has not, in my mind, it has not been embraced by all Americans 
as an American holiday. Mm-hmm. Um, as I as I self-reflect on when the announcement was made that the nation would honor Dr. Martin Luther King, I remembered the divisiveness and the division within the nation. As we move forward, there were some Southern states who wanted to poke an eye in that decision and they grabbed uh, Robert E. Lee's legacy or Jefferson Davis's legacy and used the same day, Dr. Martin Luther King's holiday to have a co-holiday. Yeah. And so as we started out, no. So let's move forward. As we have moved forward, I believe that more Americans who don't look like me are starting to embrace the holiday from a civil rights perspective. Mm -hmm. They understand that we honor Dr. Martin Luther King because he represents the civil rights movement. So it's better now than it was, but it's in my view, it's not where it needs to be to where every American sees that holiday coming and they embrace it to, to celebrate, to recognize uh, the civil rights movement. Yeah, you know, I think I think what's gonna happen is, there, and there, there's a, me, uh, there needs to be a marketing strategy. You know what I'm talking about for our country? that explains the, the differences and why we do this and why we do that. And I think sometimes people make decisions based on what they think is true, not what actually is true. Hey, I noticed the picture behind you. You got a great picture of Martin Luther King behind you. Yes, sir. And you're looking just like him today. You're all dressed up. So I want to make sure I commented about that. <laughs> right. I, uh, I'm at the Richard Allen Culture Center in Leavenworth, Kansas. It's the African-American Museum that focuses on Midwest history, Buffalo soldiers, and manifest destiny. Yeah. There's a room within this museum that's dedicated to Dr. Martin Luther King. And today I decided to, to wear this black suit with the, with the black tie and the white shirt because that's how we dress during the civil rights movement. Yeah. Is there a, is there a website and a phone number or something you can give the audience uh, go ahead. Yes, there, there, there is. Uh, I don't have it, don't have it with me. But if they Google the Richard Allen Cultural Center Museum, Leavenworth, Kansas, the museum will pop up, and they'll be able to see some of the displays and the mission and the purpose of the museum. Yeah, for you people listening, uh, it's important for people, for all of us, to learn about the history of our country and 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 realize, uh, you know, where we started, uh, where we're at today, and where we're going tomorrow. So it's all about the brothers and sisters of this country. So uh, I, I certainly enjoy this conversation. There's no question about it. We're talking with Dwayne Wagner from the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College, and you're enjoying your next mission with me, your host, Jack L. Tilly, 12th Sergeant Major Army. And, and don't forget, if you're enjoying this discussion, please like us and, and click on the subscribe button below. Remember, uh, it's all about uh, a team and pulling together and, and working together and making a difference together with all of us. Sir, we, you know, to continue this discussion, how do you think uh, Dr. King would have viewed uh, the involvement in Afghanistan? I think he would view Afghanistan very similar to, to Vietnam in terms of he was against war and violence. So I think he would not have supported the war in Afghanistan. However, I think Dr. Martin Luther King would understand that the nation, America, was trying to
to protect herself and over time help people. He would be frustrated. I believe that we were there for 20 years in terms of lives and, and, and our nation's treasure and, and wounded soldiers and the amount of money we, we, we spent. So he would be, I believe he would be a little frustrated with our engagement in, in Afghanistan. Yeah, yeah, I, I, I think, uh... I, I, I don't disagree because, you know, I was in, the, I don't know where you was at 9-11, but I was actually in the Pentagon at 9-11 and, and a lot of things went on. I lost some friends in 9-11 and, and I've been in and out of uh, Afghanistan about 16 times. And in fact, we had a, a young lady on Afghanistan, the, from Afghanistan the other day that, uh, that uh, came to us at 13 years old and, uh, and, uh, once she got old enough to join the military, she went back to Afghanistan and her father had been killed in Afghanistan and then her husband uh, committed suicide. So it was just a just a terrible story. But well, well, Sergeant Major, you didn't ask, but I'm going to tell a short war story. Go ahead. On 9-11, I was assigned to OSD policy at the Pentagon. Oh, my goodness. I was on a metro headed to the Pentagon and the train stopped. And the conductor said, we can't let you out because there's something going on at the Pentagon. I got out of Pentagon City, walked up to the hill and saw the billowing smoke. I'm in uniform, full bird colonel. And I started crying. Yeah. And I started walking toward the building. So on 9-11, I was assigned to the Pentagon, but I happened to be at a meeting. So I wasn't in the building when we were attacked. Yeah, no, that was a, that was probably one of the worst days of this country and in my life, that's for sure. Sir, uh, to follow up, how do you, how do you think Dr. King would view uh, Black Lives Matter organizations and the and Black Lives Matter movement? Uh, how, how do you think he'd view yeah, that? Yeah, that's, that's a good question. And this is my personal opinion. I think Dr. Martin Luther King would say the Black Lives Matter organization and movement was necessary to address police, the perceived police violence and police violence or police abuse against certain segments of our society, specifically young black men, poor blacks. Yeah. So Dr. Martin Luther King, I believe, would applaud them for standing up to speak out regarding that. Mm -hmm. um, I think he'd be a little disappointed in terms of some of their demands and an unwillingness to compromise. For example, the supposed defund the police movement. I don't think he would support that or would go that far. So I believe that he would support the need for them to have a voice and he would support the protest. He definitely would not support the looting or the violence, uh, regardless of where it came from. But I call the Black Lives Matter movement the second civil rights movement because it awakened America to listen to others, to understand that maybe things aren't as good as you think they are. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that you're probably right. I think there's a, there's a need for people to address those issues. The only thing that worries me sometimes is, is, is you need to make sure you have the right person that's voicing their their opinions, you know what I mean? And I think if you're not careful, you have a great organization that's doing a great job, but then you get 
uh, those people in there that they're going to spew that negativity and all that other stuff that you yeah. got to be careful yeah. about. Well, let me give you, let me give you a specific example. Uh, I support the Black Lives Movement in terms of standing up and speaking out about police brutality. Yes. I do not support the young lady in Chicago who said it's okay to loot stores because they have insurance and they're going to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, that's correct. That's the challenge. Yeah. So you're, you're absolutely correct. The movement is okay, but in terms of representation, you, you have to have a message that makes sense for America. Yeah, I agree. Now, uh, please, uh, hopefully if I say something that's that uh, that's incorrect, you know, I just want to give you a pin. Sometimes I'm bothered by the fact that, that I can't help nothing behind me. You know what I'm talking about? I can only look at forward. And I think people need to look forward in life versus looking behind him. Does, does that make sense? I mean, there, it got, makes sense. Yeah, you got it. it yeah, you got it. You, it makes well, you got to respect, you got to respect my history, and I need to respect your history, and so right. we got to make sure we respect each other's history. But but what happened thirty years ago, or fifty years ago, or yesterday? I can't do anything about that. But we live in a great country, and we have a lot of great people that do a lot of great stuff. Uh, that's why I want. That's why I want everybody to go in the military, the job corps, or something. And, and I think we'd we'd be have a great country. One last thing, we're going to take a break here in a second, but I, I think. For some reason, again, this is a, maybe a crazy comment. I think the top 10% and the bottom 10% of our country probably mess it up a little bit. You know what I mean? Right. Because yeah, I, I think the 80% in the middle uh, just want to live their life and want to yeah. enjoy life. And, and, uh, and, it's, and it's, it is there. So, yeah, go ahead, sir. Go ahead. Two, two responses to you. Yeah. We need to understand our history. Absolutely. So we can understand where we are today. So we can look forward. Yep. The challenge is not to wallow in our history so we can't look forward. Uh, and that's why I titled my article, We've come a we've 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 come a very long ways, but we have a ways to go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've come a very long ways, but we have a ways to go. Yeah. The friction you see are those who believe we're post-racial. And they're and that America's colorblind. Yeah, and it's it's hitting just like that. Yeah, you know what's really funny is is uh, older adults, and I hate to say I'm a little older. Uh, older adults get along pretty good. It's the younger adults sometimes that are really sort of confused. Because uh, I'll walk by people. I, I don't know about you, but I walk by people. I always say good morning, good afternoon, everybody. But nine times out of ten, depending on who it is, they'll look at the ground, they'll look the other way, they'll look up. They don't want to engage you. And so I think one of our disadvantages is the iPhone and all the rest of the stuff. If you take a look at right, you take a look at how social media yeah. is causing people not to communicate yeah. and have face-to-face -face conversations and to drink coffee with each other, it's creating a society where it's harder to communicate. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree hundred percent. Uh, so let's take a quick break. We'll be right back. Uh, you've been enjoying uh, Your Next Mission. You're watching Your Next Mission, proudly presented by the Cavalry Agency. They help brands dominate no matter their size. Ideas, strategy, action. This is Cavalry. Learn more at Cavalry.com. Navy Federal Credit Union, the most trusted credit union owned by members of the military community, serving all branches of the armed forces and their families. Their members are the mission. Learn more at NavyFederal.org. 
Purdue Global, providing affordable online education for hardworking adults. Learn more about a personalized, innovative, and world-class education at purdueglobal.edu. Veterans United Home Loans, the number one VA lender for five straight years. If you're buying, they're funding your dreams. Learn more at veteransunited.com. Now back to your host, the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilley. Welcome back. I'm the 12th Sergeant Major of the Army, Jack L. Tilley, and we're blessed to be here today with Dwayne Wagner, Assistant Professor at the U.S. Army Command and General Staff College. And, and I want all of our listeners to, to reach out to me directly. Tell us about your transition. Tell us about what topics you'd like us to cover on this pod, or this uh, on this show. We uh, we want to do what you want us to do. This is a veterans show, so please please reach out to us. You can call or text me at 844-424-1134, and I'll actually reach back out to you. Or send me an email at smatilly at yournextmission.org. Okay, let's pick it up where we left off, sir. We're we're heading into our final segment with you today, and I hope you've enjoyed it as much as I have. I certainly, I've enjoyed this great a great deal. I just have a, a couple of more questions. Sir, this past summer, uh, Military Review published an article you wrote uh, entitled, We Have Come a Long Ways and We Have a Long Ways to Go. Did Dr. King legacy influence that title of, uh, of your article? Yes, sir, he did, and, I, and I'll tell you why. As I think about Dr. King, and the civil rights movement in America, it is, it was a journey. So I wanted to use the journey visual to, to talk about my experience in America and the military. In my mind, we have come a long ways. We have more positives than negatives. So what we need to do is to understand we've, we've come a long ways within our nation, within our army, but what are the things we need to do to realize the dreams, the goals of the, of the nation's founders or to reach the American dream? Mm -hmm. Now, if you ask me to put a percentage or a proportion on it, I couldn't, but I'm gonna do it anyway. Let's say it's a, let's say it's a hundred mile journey. In my mind, we've traveled, we've traveled 80 or 85 miles. Yeah. How do we travel that last bit to where all Americans feel valued, are full citizens, and believe that society wants them to be an American. Yeah, yeah. I, I gotta ask you a question. You make, again, do, do you think we've been, you know, we traveled, I agree with you, we traveled 85, but, but do you think we're losing mileage? We're backing up a little bit in some cases? I, you know, I've heard, I've heard that. There are some people who use a phrase such as, uh, we're stepping backwards, things are worse. Not me. I push back at that notion. Social media and the 24-hour news cycle brings mainly negative news to us. Mm -hmm. So we now see more of the negativity and it causes us to think we're, we're going backward. I, I don't think so. Now, to be fair, sometimes we have to two steps forward, one step backward, two steps forward, one step backward. And maybe that's what we are experiencing. Mm -hmm. But let me put this in perspective for you. Uh, 
and I'm, I'm using the army because we're talking veterans. Yeah, yeah. 1950, my father integrated an all-white infantry regiment in Korea in 1950. In 1996, I took command of a military police battalion of 636 soldiers, <laughs> and it was integrated and gender integrated. Yeah. And when I stood on that parade field, I was Lieutenant Colonel Wagner. And when the soldiers passed in review, they really didn't care if I was black, white, purple, or green. They wanted to know about if I was going to train them and care about them. Yeah. Fast forward, fast forward, fast forward. The nation elected Barack Obama to serve as our president. Fast forward, fast forward a lot of positive, positive signals. Yet, when you take a look at housing, incarceration rates, education, net worth, we have a ways to go. Yeah. So all I, all I am saying is this, there are two voices out there, positive voices, negative voices, historical voices, futuristic voices. We need to talk to each other, listen to all the voices, and move forward. Yeah, yeah. No, I can't agree. You know, it's really funny. I, 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 like you said, we're always in the military, and you're absolutely right. I didn't care if my commander was who it was. It was black, white, pink, or yeah, but because you're all soldiers, and that's the way we looked at it. The other thing is, uh, we all depended on each other. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, if you're on my right or left, I didn't say you know who you are. I, I didn't care because I knew you knew how to do your job. And, and again, that's why I could wish we could figure out a way to to take what we have in the United States, all the military services, and place it into our country, into our cities and whatever. I think I think it'd be really helpful. The other thing, I wish there was more uh, people like yourself uh, that were in communities that were in the leadership uh, positions in some of our cities and states and, and governors and stuff. But because I think they, uh, you know, that development phase that you had in the military could help a great deal uh, in our country. That just, uh, you know, and I, so, I think most people who get out of the military, they say, I've, I've had enough, I worked too hard, I'm going to take a break, but uh, I think we still need them out there. Politics are so negative sometimes that good people do not want to serve. No, no. I, I At one point when I got out of the service, I, uh, you know, I used to testify about twice a year in front of Congress, and I said, geez, I think I'll go and go ahead and, and uh, run for Senate or Congress or something like that. And, uh, and and a guy that I was talking to said, well, you come with me and I'll train you for a couple of years and then we'll let you run for office. And I said, I'm not going to do that. I'm going to I'm gonna get out and, and I started my own company. I got a business and stuff, so I'm doing pretty good. But I think this is, again, it's probably a crazy thing to say, but I think sometimes I think the smartest people in our country are out uh, making money and doing business. And, and maybe the smartest ones don't necessarily run for politics, I guess. That's probably a negative thing. I'm sure there's a lot of smart people in there. But. Let, me tell you what, let me tell you what I say to people. Yeah. Our best leaders do not run. Absolutely not. Yep. I, I know several people who could run at the national or state or local level. But because of the negativity with politics and the money that's required, they don't. Great mm -hmm. Americans. Yeah, we agree. Hey, did you know General Powell? Never met General Powell. Did not know General Powell. You know, I'm, I, I'm, I met, I knew him from my entire career. I met him as a sergeant first class, and uh, and I, I've talked to him a whole bunch of times. In fact, the last time I seen him was, uh, golly, about two years ago up in Baltimore at a college. 
he was a guest speaker and I was a speaker up there also, along with some other guys. And, and you know, just, he, he was probably one of the finest people I'd ever met in my life. And he was just a, just a great guy. I, I always, I always wish he had ran for president or something like that, but I always heard that his, his wife had told him they didn't want to because he had got death threats or something like that. But what a wonderful guy. Anyway, sort of off the subject, but he's just a great guy. No, no, you're on the subject. General Powell has been to the Richard Allen Culture Center and he knows he met my wife. Oh, is that right? My wife um, and they participated in a dedication ceremony at Fort Leavenworth. Yeah, so yeah. my wife has met General Powell, not I. Yeah, he, he, he is. A, I, I can't say enough. I, he, he told me a story. It's an interesting story one time. He, he uh, every time he spoke, I heard the story about three or four times. But he said uh, he was like he didn't go to West Point. I think it was ROTC. Right. But uh, he was in college and, and uh, somewhere, maybe command of staff college or something. And uh, and he was and the person that he was they shared a room with somebody and this white guy was in there with him, and so this uh, the white guy come in there and he says hey General Powell I'm so upset he says why is that he says they're saying the only reason you got a command is because of the color of your skin he said let's go down there and tell them what the deal is, and he said I thought this was really cool he said uh, I'm not going to say anything oh Lord have mercy I'm going to tell them I'm going to show them uh, why they selected me for this so. Uh, he's uh, he was a wonderful man, that's for sure. Sir, what what do you think uh, the next twenty or thirty years will be like with respect to race relations in this country? Sensitive and fragile because of social media, and not as honest as they need to be because of social media and the tendency to to exaggerate. Um, I'm, I'm absolutely convinced that we are tribal in nature sometimes and we need to spend time with people from other tribes to understand each other. Mm -hmm. Do I think things are going to get better? I do. Uh, my grandfather's generation was voiceless. My father's generation was very patient. My generation was patient. The upcoming generation's impatient. They're going to demand X, Y, or Z. The question will be how much collaboration will there be so people can tolerate each other, be tolerant of each other and get along. Yeah. 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 The one thing, again, the one thing, you know, I'm out here in California. One thing I see is, is a bunch of young adults smashing and stealing stuff and doing all that stuff. And that just drives me crazy. That's, that's no way to run a ship. But I, I worry about, uh, you know, when you talk about the next 10 to 20 years or whatever, uh, somehow we got to figure out how to get a handle on life. You know, you, you can't uh, be disrespectful to people. You can't treat people uh, with, you know, poorly. Uh, but, but for some reason, I guess you're right. Some reason we're, we're doing that now. And I'm not sure where it's going to balance out. It's got to balance somewhere. And I'm concerned. But let's, let's realize if you go back 300 years, mm -hmm. every generation, as it moves forward, worries about the following generation. Absolutely. I remember what my father said in the 60s and 70s about that generation behind him. So we'll just have to wait and see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's uh, it's interesting. Well, I, I tell you, uh, guys like you and me uh, need to step up and do all we can. And, uh, and I would tell you, just before we finish up here that is if there's ever anything I can do to help you, I'm here for you. Uh, cause Thank I you. think this is a, this is a bit, uh, 
a big issue that uh, we need to lock arms and help each other out. And, uh, you know, nobody's, I used to tell people, there's a lot of people as good as I am, there's nobody better. And uh, I think that's the way people need to look at life. And uh, any final, uh, and finally, what, what do you, what can Americans do in 2022 to best honor the, uh, the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King? Yeah, great question. Uh, help others, listen to others, speak up and out about things that are wrong in our nation. That's what Martin Luther King was all about, mm -hmm. helping others and speaking out so all citizens will be treated fairly and equitably. Yeah. That's what, if we act locally within our own communities, churches, schools, families, then we've done all we can do. Yeah, I agree with you. I, I, I got it. This is a, I don't know, I, I'm sure you understand. When I got to be the Sergeant Major of the Army, I got a, a call from a friend of mine. He says, hey, look, he says, uh, can I give you some advice? I said, sure. I said, what is it? He says, the things that made you successful uh, before you ever got there, uh, don't change it. Because I think a lot of people have a tendency as they move up in life, they think their head swells up a little bit and they think they're smarter than they was two days ago. I, it's unbelievable. He said, the second thing is 50% uh, of the people like you and 50% of the people won't like you. And he says, so when you make a decision, it's based on what's right for the army. And I think that's what everybody's got to do. When you make a decision, uh, you have to make a decision based on what's right for our country. You know, it's not right for you. I, it may be right for you too, but, but it's right for our country uh, and not right just for your own personal interests. And, and I just think that's something that I think a lot of people, not everybody, but I think a lot of people are more worried about me or their selves versus uh, what's right for our country. Sir, are there any final thoughts that you want to share with the audience? I know we, I, I, personally, I want to tell you right up front, I've, I've enjoyed it a great deal talking to you, and it is uh, it is an important day, and it's one that we uh, we should all uh, celebrate his legacy and, and remember him, and I think uh, we need to do a better job at that. And uh, so, again, if I can ever help you, I'm, I'm not far. You know how to get all of me, and I certainly will help you. Any final thoughts for the audience, though? As As... As a son of a veteran, as a son of a veteran, as a veteran, and as we talk to veterans who are transitioning, as you think about Dr. Martin Luther King Jr., and you think about your transition and your next mission, your next mission is to, is to become the best version of you. Part of that is treating others with dignity and respect along your journey. Absolutely. So if you can, if you can personally do that, during your next mission, then you have lived up to the legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King. Yeah, yeah. I, I like the fact you tied that into your next mission. I love it. <laughs> Good stuff. Uh, thanks to Dwayne Wagner. I'm uh, Jack L. Tilly and uh, 12th SMA, and you've been in, enjoying, hopefully enjoying, I'm sure you've been enjoying your next mission. Thank you, sir. Mate. Thank you for being with us today. And and please visit our website at uh, yournextmission.org and, and leave me a review. Hopefully it's a good review, but if it's not, don't worry about it. You can also visit our partners there who can provide you with so many services that will assist you in your transition from the military. And also please visit our corporate partners and, and see all the jobs they have available for you. Please know we want to assist you in any way that we can. And please follow me on all my social media pages. I never thought I'd ever say this stuff. Facebook. Uh, Twitter, Instagram, YouTube, LinkedIn, 
And if you enjoyed this discussion with Dwayne, and please like us and, and click on the subscribe button below. Don't forget, we want to hear from you. Uh, please leave me a message or send me a text at 844-424-1134. Send me an email at uh, smatelli at yournextmission.org. And thanks uh, again to Dwayne Wagner for being on, with us today. And it was great just having him on the show. And I want to leave, uh, leave you with three things to remember. Uh, we're dedicating this season two to your next mission to all those veterans and family members who struggle with mental illness, which so often has led someone to taking their own life. So please reach out to someone you haven't spoken to with, uh, within a long time and, and uh, check on them. I call it a buddy check. See how they're doing and, and make sure they're okay. Second, I, you know, I was proud to serve in the military and, and I was proud to do the things I did. And I met a lot of great people that I call friends. I call them friends to the day I die. But I'd like you to do me a favor. I'd like you to wear your military hat every Friday and uh, show your colors. If it's Army, wear Army. If it's Navy, Marine Corps, Air Force, Coast Guard, I don't care. And uh, send me a photo on social media. I'd love to post it on my social media channels. And I want to encourage everyone to, you know, reach out to your neighbor. Offer a smile. I, I was talking a little while ago, and every time I walk by somebody, they're frowning, I look in the ground. But offer a smile or a helping hand. Together, let's try to bridge the divide that has affected so many of us. Again, thanks for being with us today. And thanks to Cloudcast Media. And of course, our four presenting sponsors, Calvary Agency, Navy Federal Credit Union, Purdue University Global, and Veterans United Home Loans. We appreciate all they do for our military. See you on the high ground. hoo You've been listening to Your Next Mission, brought to you by the American Freedom Foundation. Learn more by visiting yournextmission.org.